Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. This week's Phenomenal Asian is Fung Ung, founder of Matchable, a platform offering employees game-changing opportunities to work with not-for-profits and startups on innovative projects. We chat about the difficult switch Fung made from PwC tax director to female entrepreneur and the guilt that comes with it, especially telling your Asian parents. Fung and I actually share very similar stories. I used to work for PwC too and set up my own company, but I've always wondered if more Asians could hear inspiring stories like Fung's, would we have more confidence in making our own career choices versus simply pleasing our parents? Try again. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. I don't know what. I'm worried that this is going to keep happening, but um, yeah, I... hopefully it will work this time. Okay. We'll tell everyone who you are first because I feel like um... <laughs> <laughs> they just jumped right into it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so my name's Fung, and I am the founder of a company called Matchable. And Matchable matches companies and their staff. Uh, employees with really unique and innovative projects at nonprofits and impact startups. So we call it, we don't like to use the word volunteering, but what it is is basically upskilling projects that either are innovative and or high impact. So for example, if you wanted to help the Red Cross find new ways to accept um, cryptocurrency as a form of donation, um, we've made that match. Or if you wanted to help a tech for good that was looking at augmented reality and AI in order to prepare children with long term illness for um, long stays in hospital. So it's actually like finding really cool um, projects that actually, you know, everyone wants to take part in and will get people really excited about the future of, you know, the, the, the third sector, but also kind of the future of just responsible business that's amazing and you think like that already exists yeah I think the problem at the moment with volunteering and how it's perceived and because we actually tried to we we don't actually call it volunteering between us we call them projects and we usually call them upskilling projects because what we do is we make the match but then we also then um, enhance it through um, like virtual coaching so you can consolidate your personal and professional goals and what you want to achieve but the other thing that we do do is that we kind of take away the I guess the overwhelm because 
what happens is um say if, even if you said for example like you wanted to go out and help the world and do something good if you go and google like volunteering or google like local charities loads of stuff comes up um yeah. and you don't really know where to start so we kind of take away that overwhelm we just say come to us um we've got like a little a two minute form they fill out we pick up kind of causes you care about skills you have skills you want to learn and then we have kind of like six life projects that you can pick from we say like whichever you like the best we kind of say okay pick the three up to three that you really love the look of and then off the back of that we actually present you with um like handpaid projects that are just for you that's um, honestly incredible and i was reading actually one of your medium articles before and you've managed to found or like start a company which has so much purpose behind it which i think is I think it's the dream. Do you know what I mean? Like... Yeah, totally. So where were you? So where did you grow up? Yeah, so I actually, um, I I was born in London, Hammersmith Hospital. And because <laughs> actually my parents, <laughs> so, so precise, no, my no, parents so are, <laughs> are um, I actually originally from Malaysia. So I'm Malaysian Chinese, but like British born Chinese. BBC. Yeah, it is. It's everything. I'm so, <laughs> so. <laughs> like, I hate when people ask you where you're from because I just don't know where, where, where they mean. Do you know what I mean? Like, I always yeah. say, "Oh, I'm from Oxford," and then they're like, "No, where are you really from?" And I'm oh, like, "Oh, I get that all the time." Uh, my other half. So my other half is um, half um, Mauritian Chinese and half Pakistani. And oh um, so he's come out kind of looking Malaysian, actually, Malay, which <laughs> <laughs> um, probably what attracted to me, um, me to him in the first place. But um, but they also ask us both, like, oh, so where are you from? And um, and both of us actually say, you know, we're from London. And, <laughs> and yeah. people get so confused. <laughs> they get so confused. That's so funny. Um, but yeah, I get that as well. Um, Is he, um, was he born in London too? yeah yeah okay um, that is confusing <laughs> yeah <laughs> especially for him like being mixed race and then his um his brother actually is married an Italian lady and so now their kids are kind of half Italian quarter Pakistani and um, quarter Mauritian Chinese oh, um my god <laughs> it's like not. they're beautiful they like beautiful. have the best I was gonna mix. say <laughs> I mean, like Maya, so they have two kids. The eldest is called Maya and she's really cute. And I guess the name is kind of like it was um, because um, my other half's dad is Muslim. Like they're like, oh, we want a name that kind of, you know, um, can be Muslim as well. But yeah. then but then with the second kid, um, they just went full Italian. So he's called Lorenzo. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's just really it's yeah it's such a melting pot it's gonna be confusing for them but it'll be fun I (laughs) I think everyone like eventually will be mixed race in some way Mm. I always like to um, when I'm out if someone like asks me where I'm from I just make it up I just say (laughs) I'm like half Japanese half Hawaiian just amazing (laughs) as a a talking point Uh, that's Um, awesome I should try it. I'd probably, yeah, like, fall should. down at the next question. Yes. So why are you like, oh, I have no idea. You were born in London, and then... Uh, you... Yes. So, so your mum is Malay? Both my parents are Chinese, but they oh, are, okay. like, second-generation um, Malaysian immigrants into... Well, sorry, Chinese immigrants into Malaysia. 
Um, But they actually came over to um, London for university and then they ended up staying. So that's, they then had me um, relatively young. And, um, and then we were here for 10 years before moving back to Malaysia. Um, My mom thought that the next big language was going to be French because at the time <laughs> I was born um, there was all this talk about like building the Eurostar and the Channel Tunnel and you know all, it's going to be like one big happy family so she sent me to French school and so I was in a French primary school in England um, my parents didn't speak any French they spoke French in all of the classes um, yeah the whole thing well yeah it was kind of French school <laughs> um, so, so I had the kindest like um little kindergarten friend called Elise and her her she had like um an English dad and a French mom and um and she would translate everything for me until I actually learned French oh, oh my god that's so good it's really cute oh my god I was like age and five you, like, imagine you were just like were you the only Asian girl there um no actually so um there were a few Vietnamese kids um because they used to be french colonies obviously they like had a few um like french-speaking oriental looking (laughs) um (laughs) kids there uh but yeah it was definitely interesting times did you know you were different yes for sure (laughs) yeah um because because obviously so i come from you know like an oriental asian family and so it's always like work really hard be seen like Mm. not heard um, just kind of get on with things, don't complain, which was very much like my my mom's motto. Right. <laughs> and so yeah. kind of just get on with things. Um, but then it used to be because I was quite like um, a disciplined child, um, I yeah. ended up like um, sort of sort of like um, like acing, I suppose, like tests. So I'd come top in class and. And then, oh, wow. but then the little like I oh, is it like the little like um French kids would obviously be fine with this, but then the teachers would be <laughs> looking at me and going like, and then talking to these little kids and going, so I, I can't believe that you've let someone who isn't even French, who isn't even native <laughs> French speaking, beat you in your test. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh. yeah. And so you were there till you were ten. So I was there till I was ten, and then we moved back to Malaysia. But then I was still in mm-hmm. a French school. In, in oh wow um, okay your mom is really pushing yeah she was really going for it <laughs> <Culture>. <laughs> um but in actually in a lot of ways the french school system is quite um it's very structured and very mm. disciplined so it is quite aligned with the sort of oriental principles mm. of education i would probably say so that's interesting and like at home your parents kept Mm. the kind of Asian culture so did you eat like Chinese food yes I think so my mom actually comes she's like the youngest of uh, seven children so she she has a really big family but she comes from like very traditional oh my god I was exactly the same as my mom (laughs) we have way too much in common (laughs) honestly this is so well apart from the French school (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so yeah so she was always um, and I think as the youngest, you're always trying to please your parents. And she was always like her dad's favourite as well. So mm. so she always had this, um, she was very, like, like I would say very straight. It's great. I mean, like now I'm a very disciplined person. <laughs> um, but she would do, uh, like, you know, she would definitely 
like she was obviously cook oriental at home and we always had like that kind of culture which um I think we were talking about it last week it is sometimes when you when you're trying to fit in and especially when you know I'm trying to fit into a culture I don't actually know because like I've never lived in France I've kind of um and all mm. these kids are coming from from there and they know you know they have like um common things like you know like comic books and you know like tv shows they can refer to and all that kind of stuff um so anything when you're trying to fit in you really don't want to be different and um and yeah I always remember kind of being a little bit embarrassed about um you know just what you know where where I was coming from or you know like my home life and how it was quite different like my mom Mm. is (laughs) my mom is great because as soon as so I don't know if your parents do this but (laughs) as soon as I say oh um mom I really you know I'm really into like um oh I had a phase where I like ate loads of like dried seaweed (laughs) you know for snacks (laughs) yes as soon as as soon as I said that she would go and like stockpile like literally like buy like boxes of it and be like so you're gonna eat this every day like at all Um, they love eating the same thing every day exactly and she was great like that and so one day I said I really like gherkins like pickles which is quite a weird thing to say oh my god I love pickles (laughs) okay great we are the same person I think it's confirmed. So yeah, so she she then actually started making homemade pickles, um, <laughs> and would give them to me every day and like wrap them in um in, and put them in my lunchbox every day. And now I look back and I'm like, oh my god, like how did she? But at the yeah. time when you're going to school and everyone else has, you know, like their parents have bought them you know, like crisps and God. stuff. That's already... also, <laughs> the French are like so into their food. So they've probably got like homemade baguettes. Exactly. And, like, oh, yeah. Pa- they pastries. Were... <laughs> they had like parma ham and stuff. And I was there with like my homemade pickle and my homemade yogurt. <laughs> no <laughs> and, way. <laughs> and, um, and I used to be really embarrassed. And actually now I look back at it, it was such a nice thing to do. And I just, yeah. like, at the time it was like, oh my God, I'm so different. And why can't you just give me parma ham? Like, I just like um <laughs> so it's those little things I think I know that, that so, yeah. so much I never appreciated where I was from or what my parents even had to do to you know raise us in England and they've had to sacrifice so much when like when I applied for university and because my mom I would I I'd probably call her dragon mom and I think she knows <laughs> she is a dragon mom. Um, but when I when I applied for university, and then um, one of the teachers had written me a reference, and um, and obviously I was applying for Cambridge because my stepdad went to Cambridge, and um, and so he um, and the, and this this teacher wrote me a perfectly adequate reference, like you know it was very complimentary, and my mom was like, this reference isn't good enough. <laughs> and she like stormed back into school and was like you need to write this reference again it has to be incredible glowing like they literally no really shame but actually you know like it's probably that definitely did help me get in like you know so all of these things that you um you know you find so cringy and embarrassing when you're younger yeah. um yeah they they are so you know like actually it's because they care because yeah actually it's such a nice thing to do (laughs) why do you think asian moms in particular are like that like where have they got that from my mom definitely got it from like her parents um 
and it's also like it's a generational and a cultural thing I think as well because I used to work at PwC so they um you know they have obviously a very big workforce and they have like quite a wide range of generations working there and people who are you know kind of more um gen x i suppose like definitely have a different attitude to work than a gen z <laughs> we're yeah. like millennial i'm probably on the fringes of millennial um so i think there is an element of that where it is like don't show weakness um always you know kind of um you know there's a lot of pride in keeping it all together and pushing as hard mm. as you can um and i think that's there's that combined with the oriental thing which is also yeah. like you know so competitive and you want to be first I feel like I, I feel like I can definitely see that in my parents generation they don't really care that they're different whereas like I think for mm. me being brought up here and you know how we were always saying like we wanted to fit in when we were younger I actually think that that maybe I was less confident growing up because I just wanted to fit in, you know, not mm. be seen as normal. Whereas I do feel like my parents, they embraced their ethnicity mm. much more. I don't know if it's because I guess like, well, when we, when we knew them, obviously, like they were a bit older. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, maybe <laughs> and maybe they, they had gone through that phase. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, my parents were not the typical, but they were like, you know, like the immigrant, like first generation immigrants into London like my dad was working he had like a clinic he was a doctor he had a clinic in Chinatown so like right. obviously like you're you're going to the place where you know people who are who are like you you know and you understand That's the culture yeah. so and did you speak Chinese growing up no um so this is one thing I don't know I think even in my family like I, I don't know if my mum regrets this but I think instead of putting me in a French school, <laughs> she might have wanted to put me in a Chinese school. You know? um, so, so yeah, it's um, like we, so my mum actually speaks a dialect called Hokkien um, and my dad speaks Cantonese. So they would never have been able to communicate in Chinese anyway. I do kind of regret, like they always told me I should learn Mandarin and I, I never have. I feel like the worst Asian ever because like, I can't speak any dialect. Oh, yeah. And then also like even Cantonese, like when you go to Chinatown and you're like, oh, can I, you know, get a table for two? Cause they, and yes. then they speak to you in Chinese and they, you're yeah. like, oh my God, they're so going to spit in my food right now. <laughs> they give you the eye, like... <laughs> So okay, you grew up um, obviously in French school, <laughs> then moved back to Malaysia, and then you said that you worked for PwC. Was that always the case that you thought you were going to work in the corporate world? Yes. Um, when you grow up, definitely for me, I always wanted to be like a good daughter, right, to my mm. parents. So you always listen to what they say and you do what they, you know, tell you to do the majority of the time. And so when they say, oh, actually, you should have a profession and like the ultimate dream is to be uh, a lawyer or an accountant or a dentist <laughs> or a doctor. Um, and, and you're like, yeah, that must be it. Like, that must be the thing. Um, so, so when I went to uni, I read law. Um, so I read law with French law. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was fun. I'm trying to make use of my French. And then... Um, but then when I came out, actually, I realised I didn't want to practice law. And um, so I then became a tax consultant so much better. Um, <laughs> um, 
and I, I joined PwC as an accountant and I think definitely my parents were like oh this is great you've joined a big firm and you know like you need to make partner and for them that was very much like once you've made partner that's you know they I think they feel that they've done their job yeah because yeah, <laughs> it's yes, secure they set you up for life like you got a good job you're never going to be wanting in terms of money and security and um and that's kind of all you know that's I guess that's all they want for you and you kind of just go with mm. it like because at the time I you know I remember when I got the job at PwC I was so happy and I thought I'd made mm. it do you know what I mean I was like yes I've got the career of my dreams and my parents dreams this yeah. year <laughs> but then you slowly realize that it's not. <laughs> when did you realize that it was not what you thought it was going to be um to be honest for the most part like PwC was the best time I think it, it's it was actually a really good foundation generally for for even what I'm doing now because yeah. it's no, so structured yeah. and actually if you you know if you work hard there then and it is so structured in terms of hierarchy um if it's really what your passion is and what you want to do or even if it isn't to be honest but you like work hard and then you can you know it's you always feel like you're progressing because they're you know you're yeah you're getting promoted and you're getting your pay rise etc and you know then you're getting more responsibility and you're always being challenged it's very stable. exactly yeah um I was there actually for 13 years and I made a director which is the grade just below partner but also kind of like the first grade where you're deemed to be kind of part of the leadership team. Um, mm-hmm. Made director in um, summer of 2016. And and for me, that was when, like, I guess similar to like when you first joined, you're like, oh my God, like I've worked so hard and this is it. Like, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> almost there. And I remember actually, even when I got that promotion and like my family was so proud of me, like, I don't think they definitely did not Aww. throw this kind of party when I became a founder. Like, they were, <laughs> they were like, oh my God, Bro, you made a director, like you made director and it's amazing. And like my cousins would, <laughs> like we had this massive like dinner oh with like roast dog. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> Oh, we went that. to like this Chinese. It was so good. Um, even my cousins, like who was so sweet, and then never said anything like about my career or anything before. Like Fung was so proud of you, and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> you know, like yes. this is so cool. Family comic works that you've never met before. Um, so I think there was definitely a lot of um, you know, a lot of pressure, but also like a lot of pride, like and like sense of achievement going into that. Um, mm. But what had actually slowly started to happen for me personally was that I had realised that, um, like, t- like practicing tax and being a tax consultant wasn't actually like what I really wanted to do for the rest of my life. So, like, yeah. although I guess the promotion kind of made me um, sort of think about things, and and in not like a morbid way, but you know, when you say, okay, so if I was on my deathbed and I looked back and um and actually what I had managed to achieve in my life was you know like becoming a partner and you know doing all these deals um would that be enough for me and I realized just as a person like that from my position like that wasn't enough so I had always had these side hustles and I think I guess they were like initial hints as to you know what I really would wanted to do I can imagine it must have been a difficult decision to quit yeah. especially how far you you got to to be honest because now I'm sort of two years after 
since oh, it's been two years since or almost two years this summer since I left and actually kind of like the feelings um when I left were just I I think have subsided a bit but they're still quite raw in that um it was it felt like just such a big decision at the time to say uh, so what I did was I took a sabbatical um in right. summer 2018 so I did three months um that I took off just to kind of reassess um mm -hmm. and obviously I've realized since then that you know nowadays it's quite common for people to switch jobs and yeah. move around. So well, I mean having me, been a PwC for 30 yeah. years that's difficult yeah it was it actually felt like just heartbreaking really because it had been building up for a while and I'd moved around internally at PwC as well trying to like find an alternative role within the firm that I thought mm. I would love um they just hadn't really quite worked out and so I decided to um sort of take these three months off and I think I was telling you last week during that time I went home uh, to Malaysia to see my parents who's still there and um it was my mom and my stepdad and um my mom just I think at the time she just didn't understand definitely my stepdad I don't think he understands still um because they you know after the big celebration <laughs> like, yes, yeah we're so proud of you and then I came home and I was feeling pretty awesome with myself to be honest because I'd finally managed to do like to actually um kind of take a step for me personally in the right direction I think I mentioned lastly I was I was sitting I got up for breakfast and this may be like day two that I'd been back and my mom just sat me down and she was like holding my hand and she looked at me and she went Fung are you lost and I was just like <laughs> what <laughs> and I was just like no I feel like more myself than I've ever felt before oh my gosh. um but then she then it's like and obviously like she was coming at it from like just like I don't understand why you've done this you've worked so hard to get here um you know and being partners everything and my stepdad was just like if I were you I'd just suck it up um you know like just keep going keep going um like once you make partner you can do anything you want um and and I just couldn't like I just yeah. um and it was it was really hard actually and the feeling like you've let your parents down is yeah. such uh like it's a horrible feeling I am quite lucky that now they've like definitely my mom has like come around a lot actually she's been great do you remember when I was saying telling you that my dad still tells his friends I work at PwC <laughs> no what I don't I feel so sorry for my dad because me and my brothers, we all kind of quit our mainstream jobs to kind of follow our passions. Mm. Poor my dad has no idea what we do. And he <laughs> he keeps telling people I still work at PwC. So that's fine. <laughs> the easy option. <laughs> no, exactly. That's probably it. They probably, our parents just want something easy to tell their friends. <laughs> Actually, it would be great to see more like Asian founders because because then it would also you know for people who are like us or for young you know like Asian kids um you know they would also see that this was an option as mm. a career um because we actually say um we actually did a small um kind of event at LSE the other night and yeah. um and literally even still I think it isn't just actually it's not just the Asian parent although a lot of the people there were 
a lot of the students that were Asian. Um, <laughs> might be a combination. Um, but actually, we were talking to them. And literally, even as a university, and I think it is something that is, because it has been ingrained for so long, they were all being told to apply for um, internships at investment banks, um, at uh, consulting firms, at law firms, still the same as, you know, like mm. when I graduated. And yeah, they and and the reason they had brought us in was because they actually wanted to hear from startups. And and they were like, oh, it's really nice that, you know, to know that this is an option as a career. Because mm-hmm. we just get fed the same kind of, you know, like go and apply for all these big banks. And sometimes mm-hmm. we don't want to do that. So hopefully it's changing a bit. I think sharing your story and hearing more about how you made that switch and how you're obviously doing really successful and you're loving, you're loving life. Oh, um, yeah. hopefully, <laughs> that will, hopefully that will inspire more people to just follow their passions and also realise that there's just so many different opportunities out there. Mm, absolutely so thank you so much Fung. oh my god this has honestly been Thanks, amazing mate. we have to actually properly meet in person because I, know. <laughs> I don't know when we will uh well you know we are the same person <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much for listening to this week's phenomenal and asian podcast i'll be releasing new episodes every wednesday and do make sure you follow us on instagram at phenomenal.asian for all the latest updates stay safe and have a great week